podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon, live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. into the 11 o'clock hour in about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Wade Looking Bill will be here, former Hawkeye, will join the program. Penn State, Iowa coming up uh, on Saturday at 11 o'clock in the morning. Penn State, Rutgers was a nail-biter. Maryland, Minnesota was a gut punch to the Gopher fans in the listening audience. Rob Doster, Hawkeye hater, he joins the... (laughs) How are you, Rob? Look, I was watching you on Watch Stadium, you and Goodman. At least Goodman got it, right? Luca Garza, number three on your list, Rob Doster? Come on, man. Well, here's the thing. I, as a basketball savant, value the defensive side of the ball as much as I value the offensive side of the ball. And that is all I'm going to say uh, when it comes to Jeff Goodman, who, uh, let's just say, all he knows about basketball is those little count stats. If it says, if, if there's two digits next to the points per game, then he thinks that you're a pretty good basketball. <laughs> makes sense, makes sense. And there is the other end of the floor, and that's still the knock for Luka Garza. Though he has been better defensively, he is still not a plus defender on that end of the floor. Doster, though, the argument about it is you go through these different players and these different leagues and, and what Garza is going through, the gauntlet that he goes through in the Big Ten night in and night out. He's putting up numbers that we haven't seen in Big Ten play since Big Dog, Glenn Robinson, and he's doing it with the team that lost Jordan Bohannon after 10 games. He's doing it with the team that is playing without C.J. Frederick, their second-best score at times on the floor. He's missed four different Big Ten games. He is doing it with not a whole lot of offense around him. The surrounding pieces, frankly, aren't very good, and yet he has Iowa in contention for a double buy in the Big Ten, a top-25 team. He's doing it at levels we haven't seen before. Doesn't he get a little more credit for that? Yeah, and that's exactly why I think he's a locked first-team All-American. That's why I think that he is uh, quite clearly the Big Ten Player of the Year. The the, the problem that I have, um, and a lot of it, you know, it kind of comes down to uh, what is going on in the Big Ten in terms of the way some of those teams are built. Like, I don't think that he is as exploitable on the defensive end of the floor in a conference where literally everybody is playing two big guys at, like, the Big Ten. You know, if if he's going up against, let's just say Illinois, right, when Iowa's playing Illinois, He's going to be guarding either Kofi Coburn or Georgie Benishvili. I don't even, I probably didn't say his name. Sean is Vili, right. But Sean is Vili. So there's not going to be that that guy that can kind of pull him away from the basket and exploit the fact that maybe he's not great in ball screens and maybe he's not great when he's forced to move his feet and maybe he's not great when he's asked to be a decision maker more than six feet away from the rim. And I mean, that's fine. Part of the reason why I was able to win in the Big Ten is because of the way that the, the conference is built. It's not their fault. They can only play who's in front of them. But when it comes to uh, making this conversation National Player of the Year and talking about who the best player in college basketball is, I have a hard time uh, picking a guy for that award that I think is the reason why um, – that team is not going to be elite defensively. And I think the problem with Iowa, and the reason why I don't think that they're an actual national title contender, are some of those question marks that I have about them defensively. Now, look, Iowa fans are probably going to overreact to this. I think Luca Garza is awesome. I have him 
third on the National Player of the Year ranking. Keep this in mind. In the last 20 years, there have only been five players that were National Player of the Year that were not a number one on a team that was a number one or a number two seed. Mm. Four of them were guys that just had completely outlandish uh, statistical seasons, like a Kevin Durant, like a Jim Fredette, like a Doug McDermott. One of them was Trey Burke, who mm. um, who was on a team, a Michigan team, that was at one point number one in the country and that made it to the national title game. And the other one was Andrew Bogut, who was the number one pick in the draft, having a season that was similar to what uh, Luca Garza is doing. And Andrew Bogut is the only guy that was not on a top four seed that ended up winning national player of the year in the last 20 years. So this idea that that you that, that like Luca Garza, even in the conversation for national player of the year, means that he's doing something that is almost unprecedented, that we have basically only seen happen once in the last 20 years. So I, I just, I kind of don't understand this idea that I'm disrespecting him by saying, yeah, I think he's third on the list for national player of the year for all of these reasons, when putting him first in that list is saying that, like, yeah, the only guy that's ever been better than him in this context was one guy in the last 20 years, Andrew Bogut, and the ball pick in the draft. So um, I love Luka Garza. He is awesome. I think he's a first-team All-American. There are other guys that I would put above him for National Player of the Year because they like to play on both ends of the floor. Hey, some housekeeping here, and, and to stop giving you a little bit of crap, but speaking of that defensive end, I mean, we all have our eyeball test and what we've seen, and, and I've seen him be better there. Do you have a metric that you like defensively? Because going through some of the advanced numbers, you hear NBA guys, where it's a lot deeper understanding, you know, they have different things that they enjoy. Is there a defense, defensive metric, excuse me, that you use? I was looking at defensive win shares. Garza leads the team. I was looking at defensive rating, rating, uh, rating through 100 possessions. He's second on the team in that metric there. I know Iowa as a whole isn't a very good defensive team, but is there one defensive number that you look at that you say, this is something that measures up to what my eyes are seeing? Well, uh, no, and I think it's because it's almost impossible to uh, accurately like identify just the impact that one person is having on a defense by a number. I don't think that, that, that that's really something that is, all that possible to do. Uh, so when, the, when it comes to like the, the synergy defensive individual statistics, I think that that is more about being able to group all of these uh, different possessions so you can watch all of the film in one spot um, than anything else. I don't think that defensive win shares individually are going to tell you how good someone is as a defender because a lot of that involves the fact that like maybe he's not uh, committing a ton of fouls and he gets a bunch of defensive rebounds, which is you know stuff that, that is valuable defensively and, and it has an impact. But I think all you have to do is really just watch the tape and see what teams are doing uh, to be able to attack Iowa. And, you know, what Michigan State did down the stretch was put Luka Garza in ball screen after ball screen after ball screen after ball screen. And part of the reason they did that is because because they know that he is a liability when it comes to ball screen defense. Uh, Part of the reason why we've seen Iowa make a shift to playing a little bit more zone is because Fran McCaffrey, like, I'll make jokes about him all the time, He's not a dumb human being. You can't become the head coach of Iowa if you're a dumb human being. And he knows that teams are going to put Luka Garza in ball screen after ball screen after ball screen after ball screen. And the way to eliminate that was kind of put him in the middle of the paint and let him just be real big. And he's effective at that. He's not that bad when it comes to just saying, okay, I need you to stand right there, and every time the rebound comes near you, go grab it. Because he's just, like, he's, he never gets tired. He never stops working. He's never not going to the glass. Like, he's, he's awesome. Don't get me wrong. But when you can be... The guy, like when you are the guy that another team targets, and that is part of the reason why you do things like like blow leads on the road at Michigan State. To me, 
when there's other legitimate options for National Player of the Year, whether it's Marcus Howard or Obi Toppin or Udoka as a Buki or Miles Powell or Peyton Pritchard, whoever it is, to me that is just the concern. That's the differentiator. And again, we're working in five fine margins here. And that fine margin to me is why I don't have the regards as the National Player of the Year. Hmm, pretty good group that you just laid out there, and he's a part of it. So he's having a special year. Well, let's move on. Uh, uh, Rob Doster uh, joining the program. You can see Doster and Goodman go after each other on Watch Stadium. It's pretty good. Uh, pretty good uh, television, or what do we call it now? Internet. <laughs> well, it's it's really good. I mean, I'm glad you guys have got together. It's just content. You the content. content. There you go. <laughs> uh, San Diego State was putting together a remarkable year as well, and here comes T.J. Otzelberg and then followed that up with a, boy, a nail-biter against Colorado State. I don't know how good the Mountain West is this year, other than at the very top. I think Nevada's okay. Um, they certainly had some changeover from last year, putting it mildly. But uh, San Diego State, where are you on the Aztecs? Are, are, is there uh, not alarm bells going off, but those folks that had them penciled in, this is a team that's going to make a deep re- uh, run in the tournament. Uh, are, should they be having second thoughts? I don't think so. Um, I think the people that kind of got a little bit overexcited about them and started talking about how they might be the best team in college basketball probably have to, you know, uh, eat a little bit of crow at this point because San Diego State was never the best team in college basketball. Remember, their uh, their star point guard, the All American, started at Washington State for a reason. So uh, we cannot overlook that fact. What I will say about them is this: I kind of always view San Diego State and, and you know, to a point, Dayton in the same kind of in the same vein, right? Like, I think that they are good enough to be able to make a run to the Final Four. I think the matchups kind of dictate, uh, kind of go a certain way for them when the bracket comes out. I do think that they are a team that maybe can even go and win a national title. Um, but I think that putting them in the same conversation as specifically the likes of Kansas and Baylor, uh, maybe Gonzaga as well, is probably... Um, just a little bit too much at this point. And, and some of it is because of the lack of, of overall talent. Some of it is because I think that they've been able to fatten up on uh, on a little bit of lesser competition. Um, I know that San Diego State beat Iowa, and I know that San Diego State blew up great, and I know all of that. Uh, but I do think that is um, – when you are – when you spend all of this time uh, uh, fattening up, like I said, on, on kind of that uh, Mountain West competition, I think that it kind of – Changes the way some people view you a little bit, but I will also say that uh, San Diego State doesn't really have anything left to play for. Right? Like, what is their motivation right, right now? They're just kind of they're in the dog days of the season yep. uh, when they lost to UNLV at home. Go oh, by the way, UNLV has been really, really good over the course of like the last three weeks. TJ has that team playing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, they hung the banner like they had already won the Mountain West regular season title. They hung the banner. They had their celebration, and they came out a little bit sloppy. And then ended up shooting like five for twenty-five from three when they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Things like that happen, especially when you're playing against a pretty good team. And oh, by the way, they uh, they had a shot to tie that game um, with like five seconds mm-hmm. left. They, they that that game could have very easily gone a different way if they hadn't missed twenty-seven wide-open threes over the course of the first thirty-five minutes of that game. And then with Colorado State, Nico Medved is doing a really really good job. With that program, another guy that has Iowa ties, he, uh, he came from Drake. So um, he has Colorado State playing at a level that I don't think anybody expected them to play at. And again, what is San Diego State playing for in that game? What is their motivation? Fair they point. Have, they don't have any uh, any league title things to worry about. They don't have any seeding in the league tournament to worry about. Uh, 
they are probably going to be a number one seed as long as they don't do anything really dumb over the course of the Mountain West tournament. And they don't even have the, the undefeated season to play for anymore. It's just kind of like they're there. They got to play these games. They got to get it over with. They're all waiting for this to actually be able to play a game that has some kind of impact on a season and on the award and on the title and all of that. So, you know, it kind of is what it is. And the one thing that I'm worried about, and, and you know, we, we can have conversations about uh, whether or not they're testing themselves, whether or not uh, they've been proven playing against this lesser competition, blah, 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 whatever it is. The biggest concern that I have with teams like San Diego State and Dayton and Gonzaga is that bad habits can kind of form when you're playing against teams where you don't have to uh, be perfect, where you don't have to be crisp, or you don't have to be running your offense exactly the way that you want to be uh, running it, where you don't have to um, you know, get your defensive rotations right because the guys you're playing against aren't as good as you, and you can kind of survive it. Uh, to me, that's the biggest thing. I don't want to say that they're rusty, but are did San Diego State kind of develop bad habits over the course of the last two weeks where, you know, this is not the first time that they started slowly and they've had to rally to make a comeback to win. They did against Utah State earlier this year. We've seen it before where they've just had sloppy first halves. I believe they were trailing UNLV the first time that these two teams played. So that's a long way of saying the concern that I have with San Diego State is have they gotten themselves in enough bad habits where they're not going to be able to break out of them and turn it on when they need to. I don't think that that's necessarily true because there are so many veterans on that roster, but it is something to keep an eye on when we get to the Mountain West tournament and the games actually do start having some meaning for them again. Doster, kind of speaking of that, it's just a theory that Ken and I stumbled across uh, yesterday on the show. We were talking about the Big 12. Baylor, really good. Kansas, really good. Kansas, the best team in the country. That argument, I think, is very solid. But the rest of this conference, Texas Tech looked absolutely awful the other night against Oklahoma. West Virginia is going the the wrong way. Iowa State could still finish fourth in this conference, and they have been terrible for two months straight. When you go through and you look at this conference as a whole, could it's not the same level of the Mountain West, but... Maybe at least a little bit of fool's gold with the Jayhawks and the Bears just because the rest of the Big 12 isn't very good this year? No, I don't think so. I think that uh, Kansas and Baylor are probably the two best teams in the country. Um, I do think that there are some questions about how good some of those other teams are. Like Texas Tech, I think what, like, what Chris Beard has been able to do to get this team like in the conversation for the top 25 in the NCAA tournament is uh, one of his better coaching jobs because like they don't have a point guard and they don't have a center. It's really hard to win games when you don't have a point guard and you don't have a center, right? Uh, West Virginia, like, they're starting Jordan McKay. And honestly, like, I- I'm not even kind of saying this facetiously, I really do think that Trent might be better than Jordan <laughs> McKay. Like, there's a real real possibility that that's the case. Now, uh, those two teams, to me, are the ones that are a little bit, I don't want to say fraudulent, but are a little bit, uh, they've fattened up on some of the, the lesser teams in that conference. So those are the teams that I don't really trust, Texas Tech and West Virginia. But when you're Kansas and you're Baylor and you're just beating the brakes off of everybody, I think that that kind of speaks for itself. right? To me, they're still the two best teams in the country. I think that Ken Palm's ratings play that out. I think that when you look at all of these efficiency stats that that, that kind of adjust for strength of schedule, they all value those teams as two of the best teams in the country. So, uh, yeah, I I don't think that Kansas or Baylor are, are fraudulent at all. Hmm. Um, they might be the least fraudulent teams in all of, in, in all of college basketball at this point because college basketball is not really all that good. 
another terrific night last night in the Big Ten. Rutgers Penn State was a nail biter. Is uh, just a remarkable comeback by Rutgers. Uh, a remarkable comeback. At least Maryland they sealed the deal on that last uh, minute uh, three, uh, last second three for the most part. What was there? Two seconds left. One point nine from Marcel. So we fast forward to Saturday night. Game day is going to be there. College Station. It's Maryland. It's Michigan State. Uh, Maryland got them in East Lansing. Michigan State. Um, this Tillman is unbelievable. Cassius Winston had one point in the first 20 minutes against the Hawks the other night and then took over. This one's got a chance to be really good, Rob Doster. Oh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to this one. I I want to see Michigan State make a statement in this game. right? Like We've kind of been waiting all year to see everything come together for this group. And uh, we saw it a little bit in the second half against Iowa. Like Tillman just completely shut down the Gregars in the last 15 minutes of that game. Um Cassius Winston was unbelievable in the second half of that game. But at the same time, Aaron Henry had one of his best games of the season. I thought Malik Hall was really good in the first half. I thought Marcus Bingham was really effective and did some good things. I thought Rocket Rocket Watts, Watts, yes. He's really, really been playing well recently. And the key, and I I think we've talked about this on the show, the reason why um, Michigan State is not what we expected them to be, part of it is because Cassius Winston is dealing with what he's dealing with. And part of it is because David Tillman, like, he has two kids now. Like, I have two kids. I can barely function doing my job. Like, I, I, it gets to, like, 7.30, and I'm ready to fall asleep on the couch. He's playing basketball games at tip-off at 9 o'clock. I can't imagine how tired that man is at this point in his life. That probably plays a little bit of a role in why they've been uh, a little bit of sluggish this season. But the truth of the matter is, one, they lost Josh Langford. That was their third score. He was their best perimeter defender. He was a 3-and-D guy. He was everything that we want Gabe Brown to be, but Gabe Brown is not quite ready to be yet, right? But part of it is also they lost Kenny Goins and they lost uh, Matt McQuaid, who are just two that's so valuable in in what they provided in the sense that they were guys that could shoot. They were guys that could defend. They were guys that understood everything that Tom Izzo wanted them to do as role players and excelled in it. Kenny Goins was like the best rebounder in the Big Ten. And, oh, by the way, he could also step out and knock down a catch and shoot three to make space for Xavier Tillman inside. Uh, Matt McQuaid was a secondary ball handler that shot 40% from three. One of them was maybe the best perimeter defender on the Michigan State team last season. They were both 23-year-old redshirt seniors. Losing two guys like that and replacing them with freshman Malik Hall, who's not ready, and freshman Rocket Watts, who wasn't ready at the start of the season, that's just a, a huge, enormous drop-off that I think was something that we overlooked heading into the year. And you put all of those things together, and I think that's kind of why we've seen Michigan State have some of the issues that they've had. But like I said, if Malik Hall is starting to figure it out, Marcus Bingham is starting to figure it out, Rocket Watts is starting to figure it out, that is a team that could end up being uh, uh, dangerous as like a five or a six in the NCAA tournament. But we just need to see it in the big moment, right? Like we need to see it on Saturday at Maryland. This is the game. This is when they're going to show us and say, hey, you know what? Michigan State is back. We'll see if it actually happens. Full circle, if you're going to have uh, Luca Garzan put him a negative because of the defense, you can't have Marcus Howard in front of him. He stinks on that end of the floor, Doster. Yeah, I think that he's a little better than he gets credit for, and he's also averaging 27 points per game. That helps, too. On a team where there's, I, I think it's fair to say, uh, less talent around him than Luca Garza has around him. All right, go through the defensive metrics, figure it all out, and get Garza on the top of the list by next week, okay? <laughs> I'll do what I can. You and Goodman getting together on Monday again? Uh, hopefully, if I don't get fired by <laughs> it's good. It's good content. It really I'll is. use your words. It's good content. Thank you, Rob Doster. We'll talk to you next week. 
Always a pleasure, guys. Good to talk to you. Rob Doster, uh, NBC Sports, College Basketball Talk, and WatchStadium.com. Love talking hoops. Yeah, I do too. I do too. How old is Doster? Thirty? Your age? He's. I think he's like a year or two younger than me. Say maybe a tad. Yeah, he played uh, D three basketball. Did he? Is that his? He was a gunner. Okay. He and he played at a. It was like a small school in the Northeast. I think he grew up a UConn fan, something like that. But him and uh, him and Hines. do a really good job already. Yeah, they really do. Absolutely. But speaking of content, a lot of that there. And, you know, I think a lot of times, at least I fall into this trap too, you just continually go to ESPN.com mm-hmm. and you're always just looking at Lenardi stuff. Mm-hmm. And for the draft, you're just looking at Kuiper stuff. But there's so much more good stuff out there. And, and Doster, I think, is a perfect example of that. He's fun. He's engaging. He'll take crap. He'll flip crap. Those are the guy. Those are the fun people to have in this business. Wade, looking, Bill. We will talk with him next. We'll uh, go inside the Big Ten with the former Hawkeye Wade, looking, Bill. Look ahead to Saturday, Penn State. Boy, oh boy! Somehow they got it done last night over uh, over Rutgers, who made a spirited comeback. Big Ten conversation with Wade, looking, Bill. Next, Trent and I take you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO one hundred slash Joy. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Take you up until noon. Final guest on the BMW Des Moines guest list today. He's Wade Looking Bill. He's a weekly contributor to the program. We're grateful for that. And the former Hawk joins us. Uh, Wade, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Wade. How's things? Good. Really good. Thanks, guys, for having me on again. I appreciate it. So I want to go back to uh, to the Michigan State game. And, you know, I love Tom Izzo. I think he's a terrific basketball coach. I do think that the referees maybe give him more friendly whistles just because I think and in a lot of ways he's earned it. And my question to you is, Wade, when you played, was there a coach that seemingly, you know, gained more, I don't know if respect's the right word, but was seemingly had the uh, yeah. officials lean their way a little bit more? And then as a an, an opponent, how would you and your teammates react to that type of coach that seemingly, you know, that gets those things to go their way? I guess, first of all, and I, and I love Tom Izzo also, you know, that, that whole situation with Fred Hoiberg's son and letting him start. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, he's just a class act. And he's been in Michigan State, I think, literally 40 years. He was an assistant under Judd Heathcote mm-hmm. even back when I was playing. Yeah. All that being said, you know, great Hall of Famer, terrific coach, players love him, I love him. But his antics on the court are, are just, it, it, it's just over-the-top embarrassing. You know, he, he's the only coach that that acts like that, and it's, it's, especially at home. It's, it's just it's just really bizarre. I think, you know, it, it's a different era, and he's maybe grandfathered in, but you know, Bill <laughs> yeah. Post doesn't act like that. Uh-huh. Coach K doesn't act like that. And, it, you know, it, that, that was one of the first games, the Michigan State games, where I've watched, you know, wire to wire. I'll get in, get out, you know, for 10, 15 minutes to watch them, watch highlights. But it's, it's really strange. And his comments at halftime, you know, you could see it. You could see it churning, and you know Cassius Winston didn't play very well in the first half. He played real well in the second half. But getting back to your question, to your question, it was it was Bob Knight. You know, just mm. his presence alone at six four and kind of a bigger guy. Again, back then we've talked about it. You know, they won three titles in the span of eleven or twelve years, and he still had that presence and that aura. Um, we always thought, especially at home in Bloomington, they got a lot of calls, but. 
you just have to play through it. You know, you, you have to be, like in football, you know, three and a half to six and a half points better on the road in basketball is probably the same way. So close to it. Wade, uh, we're seeing Joe Wieskamp go through a shooting slump right now, but I think maybe more concerning is not just that he's not shooting the basketball well. Most any basketball player is going to go through that, but some of that aggressiveness is also going away. It feels like there's something confidence-wise that isn't there. Very well could be he's banged up. It's a long season, and we're talking about now a 20-game conference schedule in the Big Ten, but what are you seeing going on right now with Joe Wieskamp? I think it's a couple different things. I think you could see it in a lot of the players. I think they're just getting tired. I think I think they're I think they're wore out. I mean, they've you know um, off the bench now. You know, it's off the bench. It's it's Bakari, Evelyn, and, and Pencil basically. And those guys get fifteen to twenty minutes a game. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a grind, just that travel and back to school and and all that stuff. So I, I think that's the first thing is everybody's a little bit tired for one thing. And then I think just with Joe, you know, he's got that personality that. You know, maybe a little bit like like we've talked about, like Utah or even Aaron White, just a little quieter, more reserved, and maybe things affect him differently than, you know, somebody like Luca who gets knocked down and gets right back up and gets bloody and gets back up. But you're right. I, I think it's starting to be a confidence thing, too. Just he maybe passed up shots that he should take. But he'll be fine. You know, again, he's only a sophomore, and um, I expect the big two big games from him here at home here down the stretch. I expect the same from Ryan Creener, who's been terrific uh, these last few games. You know, since he's been uh, picking up more minutes and his minutes of, other than the other night, he had foul trouble early in the first half. Let me get to that because I know that you weren't, you, you don't like that two fouls and you're sitting for the rest of the, uh, uh, rest of the first period as well. Uh, but, but Ryan Creener's game, notwithstanding the foul trouble from Michigan State the other night, boy, he's been effective lately. He's been great. I mean, he's been great. And, and that's what you want from a senior. You know, the, it's just, it's a countdown. He's got three regular season games left, but he's got hopefully two, three, four games in the Big Ten tournament. And then in March, it's it's one and done, one and go home. So he's been great. I, I think he's a kid that has just, you know, earned everything he's had. And um, I think he needs more minutes. You know, that, that, that first half, I think if they would have played him a little more, maybe that lead is, is stretched more before halftime, and mm-hmm. um, maybe they could could have held it in the second half. Yeah, was the fact that he was, you know, and I'm with you. And it's been a big uh, uh, a pet peeve of Trent's as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the way McCaffrey handles the two foul is this. You know, with the short bench, you would have thought that maybe this is one time that he goes against his uh, way of normally doing yeah. business. I'm talking about McCaffrey because the bench was so short. Yeah, I remember, and it's. It's not just Coach McCaffrey. Again, I, I love Coach McCaffrey. He's been great to me, so I'm just speaking generally. But specifically, I remember Mike Gazelle, his senior day in Iowa City at home, got two fouls against, I think it was Ohio State, within five minutes of the first half. Senior day. That's mm. the rest of the first half. I mean, it's just <laughs> something where that, you know, Creighton does it, Purdue does it. A lot of schools do it, and I just, I, I wish, I wish I would, somebody would explain to me the thought process of, well, you want to have him for the second half. Well, to, to talk about Ryan Cleaner, he was playing really well. Yeah. He had, what, six points those first four minutes, seven points, and then he sits. So what if he would have had, say, five more points that first half? Maybe he picks up a third foul. But at least, you know, he, he's in the flow more. He's in the game. You, you, you maybe stretch the lead. I, I think there were times when they brought in Riley Till and he lost his man or didn't get a rebound just because he's not as talented. Right. Um, but, I, you know, it just comes down to me that, Either they're on the bench in foul trouble, or they've on the they're on the bench because they've fouled out. I, I don't understand 
kind of the difference, just to get down to very simple terms, either they're playing or they're not. When I played, it was always three fouls and you sit. You know, if you get a second foul in the first half, you come out and, and, and maybe you sit, you know, kind of go offense and defense a little bit before TV timeouts, but you still played. You know, and I don't know when that changed, but boy, it is it is a hard and fast rule for a lot of coaches. Going back to your era, didn't the Big East for a couple of years, didn't they toy around with six fouls and that's a foul out limit? Maybe that's something that college basketball needs to look at here. I want to see the best yeah, players on the I floor. Think talk- I think they've talked about it. You know, it's just, um, I think part of it too is having three officials. You know, whenever they change that, 20 years ago or 20, I don't know, know when it was. And I think it's it's warranted. But if you look at college or even high school games more so, all those officials feel like they need to make 10 calls a game times three is 30 fouls, maybe, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think in the back of their minds, they're thinking, boy, I, I got to blow my whistle sometime. Got to get my quota. So right. call, <laughs> yeah, so kind of. So right. I'm going to call Ryan Cleaner on, on, on a reach. Or something, um, or Toussaint, and when they bailed out Tillman the other day, Tillman yeah, clearly traveled. Yeah. You know, and I, I thought the officials were okay. I, I thought it, they let them play both sides, but I guarantee, you, getting back to that two foul thing, if you're a player and you get a foul the first ninety seconds of the first half, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, "Man, I got to be less aggressive because I don't want to mm, sit yeah. fifteen minutes for this first half." and Maybe you allow a layup. Maybe you don't contest a shot as aggressively as you would. Um, I guarantee it's in the back of their mind. But as far as six fouls, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's You know, I, I think you're right. I, I, I think the Big East, Big East tried to do it. Um, I think they need, they need to go quarters more than anything else. That's what I think they should do. So, mm-hmm. who knows? Uh, Wade, uh, Big Ten last night was just, again, spectacular. Oh. Uh, it, you know, the Rutgers, Penn State early, and then Maryland. But if you're, if you're a, uh, on that Gophers team, you knew that you, know, you had wow. no wiggle room. You had to win. You needed that, uh, uh, the, the, that win last night over Maryland. Would have been a quad one. Would have been able to put that in your, um, uh, on your resume. It didn't go your way, and it just gut wrenching fashion. The way how, how does this team show up at practice? I mean, what's yeah, left for I, this team? Yeah, I just look at that team and I think they should be better. You know, who who has more talent in the Big Ten than Minnesota? I mean, Maryland probably, um, but then you start thinking, you know, Michigan State's not. They don't no. have lottery picks on that. Team. No, maybe Illinois. Maybe Illinois. Maybe Illinois, but they're kind of banged up, you yeah. know, and they're young, but. Man, how, how can they not guard just a little bit better, or not turn it over as much? And I, you know, I don't know. It's just something where, with that shot clock again, you got to keep firing it. That thirty seconds, it turns quick. So to quote unquote blow a seventeen point lead, it's it's not like it was twenty years ago when you could grind the clock out and run time. And on rebounds, now it resets Re- to, to twenty. 20 yeah, so I love that rule. It's like an NBA game, but. Yeah, you just watch that game and just poorly coached. I think it's what it comes down mm-hmm. to. So, C.J. Frederick, many people anticipate he'll be back for the Penn State game. We know that Iowa needs his scoring punch, but what else is it about C.J. Frederick? When you watch this guy, well, he is so much better than I anticipated on the offensive end, but with Frederick out there, how much better in your mind is this Hawkeye team? Well, so a couple things. I think he's probably, besides Joe Tucson, he's the second best um, on the ball defender, um, you know, and then I think I, he's their, he's their best shooter. 
And he's also a really good rebounder, besides Joe Wieskamp from, from the guard position. He's a really good rebounder. And it's just something where, you know, he does a lot of things really well, and, 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 and they miss all of it. He's a good, good player. Yeah, I'll say, no doubt. Wade, we'll get you out of here on this. Um, at, at this point, there's still, I think everybody's got three games left. Who's the best team in the Big Ten? Do you definitively, can you sit here and say, well, this team's, this team's clearly head and shoulders over everybody? Maryland's in first place. Are they the best team in the conference? Well, I think it's Maryland. I think it's Maryland, hands down. I think it's something where, you know, we'll see. Um, no, that Michigan State game's at Maryland. Uh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Eight o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Eight I o'clock mean, or seven? Eight. I no, think. I, I just, I just think, I think what they did last night, just to come back, cause, because mm-hmm. that wasn't a game they had to have. You know, I mean, something they they still you know control their own destiny, but they battled back and won that game, and it was something where, you know, they're getting better. They're getting better as the year goes on, and that's kind of what you want to get. You know, I was four and four in their last eight. But they've lost some tough ones, so I, I hope they can get these two home games, and then at Illinois, you know, that'll be a challenge. But you want you want to be improving this time of year, and that's kind of what we look for. But I, I think it's Maryland hands down. Good stuff, Wade. Looking, Bill. Thank you as always. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you, Wade. Looking, Bill, as we uh, take a look at the Big Ten overall. Boy, that if it comes down that Illinois game, Trent, if it has. Double by scenario. I don't know if it will. For, look, Illinois is still alive for that double by too. They are, yeah, very much so. And if I uh, I played around, remember that projection site where you can plug in the Big Ten yes. games? Yes, I do. Basically, if you play it out in terms of the way teams are kind of ranked right now, Iowa. When I hit the prediction button, there was still the four seed, which is that double by. So it's still on the table. Means winning at the very least these next two home games. Got to be Penn State and Purdue. Have to do that to have a chance with it. Maybe you need a little bit of help, but not a ton there. And it's all bunched up, but it can go the other way. Very lose quickly. one, if not both of these home games, yeah. and all of a sudden you're talking about being this 8, 9, 10 seed. That's still on the board, too. It's do you just know what time that game tips, Illinois-Iowa? 6 o'clock on Sunday night. 6 o'clock on Perfect. Sunday. That's awful. I love the Sunday I know night you games. Do. Sunday night. Well, you don't big... got a couple of Rugrats running. Well, around I don't. Home. I did, but <laughs> right now I'd love to go back to those days. To be, truth be known, <laughs> um, but yeah, six o'clock. That's Trent. Think of what the ramifications might be. Huge for Extra both schools. Day rest. And think about how the, the how that game went the last time these two schools played. And there's going to be that element, which Ooh, is going to be fun, baby. We'll come back, wrap up a Thursday edition. Murph and Andy, two fanatics at four Cyclone Fanatic Radio program tonight, six o'clock. Do you have the list in six front? o'clock? Yes, it Good is. Stuff. We will come back, finish up the program as we take you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO, and now on one hundred six. Is this a commercial or is this us? This is us. Who, what is this? I've never heard of this before. I've heard this song before. Does that help you out at all? No. It's a random bumper. I, I played a random rotation of bumpers here. It's actually labeled under Steve Dace. This is? This was a Dace bumper apparently back in the day. Dace hasn't been in this studio since 2006. Is that how long ago it was? Wow. I think so. That's crazy. Now, maybe it was also when he was at HO. Yeah, maybe. Could have been part of it there. But maybe, yeah, there's a rotation maybe. of bumpers in here, just general ones like that. And uh, hit it. 
And that's what we got with. Here we go. Let's stick stick to the stuff. <laughs> yeah, stick to the good stuff. <laughs> Back to the stones. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we've um, what what have we got tonight? A little tube talk here for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a one game before we get into the betting angles of things? Is there is there one game that uh, catches your attention maybe more than the others? I'm not sure there is for me. Bucky at Michigan. I guess. Yeah, that evening. would be it if you had to, right? Because Ohio State does Ohio State Nebraska play tonight. That is tonight. That's the late game. That's 8 o'clock yeah, this evening. Really we also nothing. get Indiana-Purdue tonight, which is okay. It's mm. in at Purdue, but two teams fighting. They both mm-hmm. need a victory, certainly, to, to keep their hopes alive. I don't think Northwestern's going to push Illinois, but remember they played pretty well in Champaign. They did. Yes, they did. So they got the dead cap bounce left in uh-huh. them because that team is Ugh. dead. Yeah, they no, no have doubt. looked awful here uh, for the last few weeks. So, yeah, Big Ten is okay. You know, the game that I'm actually most excited about tonight that I was really generally looking forward to watching, I haven't seen UCLA much lately, and they're playing well. Mm-hmm. And they're playing Arizona State, who's playing great. Mm-hmm. Is that late? Not only is it late, like Pac-12 late. Okay, you'd anticipate that. You'd think 9 o'clock ESPN2, something. No, 10 o'clock start on Pac-12 Network. So we won't see it. Won't see it. Not with DirecTV. Unless I find some illegal stream out there to uh, find that one, but are, are they? Uh, they're pretty... fighting for first place in the Pac-12. Yeah, I know. I don't know how they're doing it. Let's put it at eleven o'clock Eastern, ten o'clock Central. Yeah, that's on that's, the Pac-12 that's good for the league. Well, they look at uh, it's the Pac-12, and they can't get out of their own they way, cannot. right? Not. Um, are there illegal streams? I mean, are they easily accessible? Yeah, illegal you can streams? find them. Can yeah. you? I can I can pull them up on my television now, so it's not even that you have to sit on a laptop or your phone and try uh-huh. to do it. They're out there, but they're very laggy. Sometimes they just completely fall away. Yeah, and, no. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving a virus to my television every time now I do don't it. Go, don't go using that word again. I'm paranoid as hell with Oh, that yeah. Stuff. I forgot about that. You're going to catch the coronavirus, yeah, what, a week and a half? Well, I'm not a germaphobe, but just anyways. I don't want to go to Vegas for this very reason. It's I don't really want scary to. to you. It really not is. It's scary. Just concerning. Because, yeah. Trent, the, uh, the H-bracket that seemingly it hits... It's where I reside. But don't people say it's just... I don't know what they the say. It's the common flu around know. here. You're going to be fine. I know there's no cure at this point. There's no cure. <laughs> They'll figure it out. Is this media hype? No. I no? don't think it is. There's people dying. People here? People in quarantine. I don't know that. People die from the flu every year. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Let's but it's just... got a scary name. It named does. after a beer. <laughs> if you're going... Perota, aren't you going out there and saying... I don't care what kind of check I got to cut here. Precisely. But... Call it something else. Right. Let's get something else Do I else get that here. from drinking this? Well, you know, there's people out there that think that's what it is. Well, I'm sure there are. That's the origin of it or something along those lines. Do you like that beer, by the way? I don't. I do I not. I do not either. Anything you got to add fruit to to make it palpable? Yeah. I no, was, I was into... No, I wasn't really. For a little while, I was into the boulevard with the orange, like, for one. Mm-hmm. The second one didn't taste worth a crap. But um, Corona with the lime in it? No, thanks. It doesn't do it for me. I'm with you. I thought it was... Uh... Now, Dos Equis, on the other hand, that's really good. Out of a tap. Out of a tap. Yes. Okay. On tap. I think it's uh, the dark is Dos Equis. I can drink Dos Equis. I had a Corona, date night a couple so of weeks ago. I hit up your favorite. Did you? Had a Stella. Uh-huh. You're right then. Man, that's a good Oh, it beer. just goes down, doesn't it? It really does. One tastes like two. And, yes, indeed. All I right, didn't. do you have a play tonight? Uh, yes, after my 0-6 night last night. I do have... Two plays. I do like Arizona State. They're getting three and a half at UCLA okay. in that game that we mentioned. Another Pac-12 game tonight. 
Cal's getting eight and a half at home against Colorado. Colorado's good. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I agree with you, but are they really pretty good? Yeah. But in this year of college that, basketball, yeah. they fit right. These teams seeded four through eleven. Mm-hmm. Throw them in a hat. I agree. Is it going to matter who gets to the Sweet Sixteen? Boy, this is going to be great. This is it is this tournament. It's always great. It's always great every single year, regardless if you have top end teams or don't. But this one feels like it's like going to be at least a little bit different. No, the wide open nature to it. Going to be fun, no doubt about it. All right, Murph and Andy at two. The Fanatics at four. Cyclone Fanatic Radio comes your way at six. Friday, the morning rush will begin another day of local programming. That trio will be on the air as they always are at six o'clock. Trent and I back at ten. We're Miller and Condon, ten to noon. Thanks for being with us on Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO, also one hundred six point three FM.